Welcome back to The Federal Drive with Tom Tammen here on Federal News Network. One thing you can say about the cybersecurity threat situation, it's gotten worse in the past five years. That's why the Food and Drug Administration hired the MITRE Corporation to update a crucial document from 2018, namely the playbook for dealing with medical device cybersecurity. Here with the whys and wherefores from the FDA Senior Special Advisor Afton Ross. Ms. Ross, good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. And from MITRE, IT and Cyber Integrator Penny Chase. Ms. Chase, good to have you with us. Happy to be here. First of all, this playbook now revised, who is it actually intended for? Who do you expect to read it and make use of it? Ms. Ross? Our primary audience um, are healthcare delivery organizations, but lots of different stakeholders um, within that organization, be it the emergency managers, clinicians, risk management, et cetera, because we do recognize that it's going to take multiple stakeholders um, to be able to prepare for and respond to a cybersecurity incident that might impact hospital operations. Sure. And we should probably define medical device because hospitals are full of regular computers and TV monitors and lots of devices. And then, of course, all those things that blink and make beeps and make traces on screens and so forth. Does this also extend to that which might be inside somebody? So in this particular context, we are primarily talking about medical devices that are external, but certainly there are potential to have um, cybersecurity incidents related to um, devices that might be um, implanted in someone as well. But because this is directed towards the hospitals, we are thinking more of those external systems. All right. And Ms. Chase, these devices tend to be on a network, an IP network now, much more than they were maybe 25 years ago. What are the special cybersecurity concerns of medical devices? As you said, the devices now are much more connected than they had been, and that raises all kinds of of issues. If there's a cyber attack, the operation of the device can be interfered with. It might not be available for use. Data that's going between the devices and other health IT systems and other devices could be tampered with. One of the reasons we updated the playbook now was because of all the ransomware attacks. And we've seen that ransomware can go and you know prevent devices as well as hospitals having access to EHR data. In some cases, these devices have cloud components. And so sometimes the cloud component itself could be attacked and then the hospital can no longer use the device. Um, there was a case of a radiology um, system that was cloud-based that was attacked and something like 14 hospitals in the U.S. were affected and could not use their devices because of that. Afton? Why now? As well as because we're seeing that these ransomware and other incidents are happening for longer periods of time. So hospitals historically have prepared for downtimes of like four hours. And as Penny was saying, in that example, we saw implications for weeks afterwards. And so really trying to think through what is your preparedness and response capabilities look like when you have an extended outage um, that has the potential to impact both the device as well as access to critical services um, and potentially therefore impact patient care. And before we get into some of the particulars that are new in the latest guide, just briefly, if you would review the process by which you create this. There's a lot of stakeholders involved here, and I guess they all have to have some sort of say. Miss Chase. First of all, we um, weren't starting from scratch. Uh, so uh, one of the things that we did actually is hold a couple of focus sessions at conferences like HIMSS, where we asked people what they thought uh 
ought to be done to to update the playbook. And then we interviewed a sample of stakeholders from hospitals, from manufacturers, government agencies involved in response, and we uh, worked with them to you know ask them questions. We've also been involved in helping hospitals conduct. Uh, some hospitals conduct cyber tabletop exercises. In I'm actually located in Boston, and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has an active mass cyber center that also holds cyber tabletop exercises and monthly calls with healthcare providers. And we leveraged our engagement with the mass cyber center also. So we tried to, you know, get a wide range of perspectives, also cybersecurity experts, uh, some of whom are also doctors like Christian Demeth. Um, so we, we reached out to a broad range of folks. We're speaking with Penny Chase. She's an IT and cyber integrator from MITRE and with senior special advisor at the FDA, Afton Ross. And Afton, tell us a little bit more about the process from FDA's standpoint of arriving at something that everyone can live with and has good advice in it. Yes, no. So I think we recognize very early on at FDA for medical device cybersecurity because it is a complex challenge, it is an ecosystem challenge, that it is critical to get perspectives of various stakeholders. What we did not want to do was to come forward with a product that was not going to be helpful for its intended audience for that healthcare delivery organization. And so we tried to make sure that we, one, engaged our MITRE um, partners who have a lot of expertise, as well as then encourage them to go out and speak with the relevant stakeholders to make sure that we had the latest and greatest, um, as well as varied perspectives, which we can incorporate into the playbook so it could be the most useful resource possible. And the playbook then doesn't simply describe the cyber problems and just about technology, but it's really a playbook for response and what different parties should do. Tell us what's new in 2022 going into 2023. So I think we highlighted one of those. Uh, What's new already is really starting to think about considerations for longer downtimes, as well as for wider spread impacts. So we have something called the blast radius. What we have seen from some of the more recent um, ransomware and other incidents is that you might have one facility that might have been directly impacted. But if that facility also performs services for other stakeholders, that has downstream implications um, for those partners as well. And so trying to think through that at the outset so that you can plan exercise and come up with alternatives collaboratively um, together. So that's certainly one of the things that we try to emphasize here. Penny? The original, the first version of the playbook was um, really based on uh, the NIST incident, cyber incident response framework, and it's still structured that way. But we emphasized the fact that there are multiple stakeholders in a hospital that when incidents happen, invoke what's called the HICS, the Hospital Incident Command System, to structure their response. And we kind of mentioned it in the the first version of the playbook, but we much more strongly explained how cyber fits into the, the HICS. You know, as Afton said, we wanted to make the the playbook useful. So there's a new appendix that collects all the various resources that hospitals might be able to use. So if they want to know 
Does CISA have resources, DHS's CISA, do they have resources that could help? There's an easy place to go in and find sure. that in, in the appendix. We also put together a companion document, the Quick Start Companion Guide, to both help anybody turning to the playbook orient themselves as to what are the key highlights to the different phases of the the NIST incident response framework, but also when you're, you know, in the midst of something going on, it's a place to quickly turn to. So, um, you know, because the playbook is short, but it's still, you know, something like, you know, 30 pages of text and the appendices. And the quick start guide is much shorter, so really helps people focus in on where to turn to in the playbook. All right. And just a final question, getting back to the technology. I've often read that medical devices tend to be a couple of generations behind in the latest versions of operating systems, which makes a special threat. Is that still the case? Is the industry maybe showing it's trying to maybe get more up to date on that on that score? Afton? Certainly, FDA has taken a very proactive approach to medical device cybersecurity, and we've been working with our industry for quite some time now on trying to bake cybersecurity into their devices, into their technology. Um, We do, however, recognize that there is also a legacy device challenge. These devices certainly come with a cost, and from a healthcare organization's perspective, if it's still operational, even if there are newer technologies that might be available, they might want to continue to still use that device. So certainly there are some things that can be done for some of those legacy technologies in terms of compensating controls and other mitigations that can be put in around those devices um, to further support um, their cybersecurity. But that's certainly an area that we continue to work on, um, both from a policy and a collaboration perspective. Yeah, and just to bring up the, the collaboration perspective, um, the the Health um, Care Sector Coordinating Council's Cybersecurity Working Group has a task group devoted to legacy devices, and the final version of their first product is in review and should be published shortly. And that should provide you know, a valuable resource for helping hospitals figure out what to do with legacy devices. In the meantime, don't throw out that mercury column blood pressure cuff. <laughs> yeah, and make sure you have enough paper when you're going back to paper. All right, fair enough. Penny Chase is an IT and cyber integrator at the MITRE Corporation. Afton Ross is a senior special advisor at the Food and Drug Administration. Thanks so much to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will post this interview along with a link to the playbook at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Still to come, Congress buys a little time to negotiate on the budget. But first, NASA uses artificial intelligence for a lot more than automating paperwork. This is The Federal Drive with Tom Temin here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.